Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time around. Tonight on the Beatles' multi-track meltdown, part one of the White Album Sessions. In February 1968, the Beatles traveled to Rishikesh in northern India to study transcendental meditation at the ashram of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Amid widespread media attention, their visit was extremely productive musically, and once again, the group's actions influenced countless people in the Western world. Their interest in the Maharishi changed attitudes about Indian spirituality and encouraged the study of transcendental meditation. In 1966, George Harrison and his wife Patty Boyd spent six weeks in India while George studied sitar with Ravi Shankar. They both became interested in Indian culture, and on August 24, 1967, Patty suggested that they attend a lecture the Maharishi was giving at the London Hilton on Park Lane. The other Beatles were invited, and they were given front row seats and the opportunity to meet the Maharishi in his hotel room afterwards. Two days later, they were on a train to Bangor Wells to attend a seminar to learn the basics of transcendental meditation. They intended to stay for the entire 10-day program, but their visit was cut short when they learned of manager Brian Epstein's death on August 27th. Curious to learn more, they kept in contact with the Maharishi and made arrangements to spend time with him at his teaching center located near Rishikesh in the foothills of the Himalayas. Lennon Harrison and their wives Cynthia and Patty arrived on February 15, 1968, where they were met by Rhody Malevins. Four days later, McCartney, Jane Asher, Starr, and his wife Maureen landed in Delhi and took the six-hour ride to Rishikesh. Musicians Donovan and Mike Love of the Beach Boys also attended, as well as actress Mia Farrow and her sister Prudence and brother John. John, Paul, and George composed between 30 and 40 songs, and Starr completed his first, Don't Pass Me By, which he started in 1964. Eighteen of those songs were recorded for the White Album, two songs appeared on Abbey Road, and others were used for various solo projects. Starr and his wife left early on March 1st, after a 10-day stay. McCartney and Asher left after a month, but Lennon and Harrison stayed for nearly two months. They left abruptly following financial disagreements. The Maharishi wanted the band to deposit 25% of their next album's profits into his Swiss bank account as a tithe. Also, rumors of inappropriate behavior regarding the female students caused them to leave. However, many people, including Harrison, McCartney, Cynthia Lennon, and Jenny Boyd, believe that Alex Martis, nicknamed Magic Alex, head of Apple Electronics and Lennon's friend, turned Lennon and Harrison against the Maharishi with unsubstantiated claims of his exploits. McCartney stated, It was Magic Alex who made the original accusation, and I think that it was completely untrue. When they returned to London, they told reporters that they were disillusioned by the Maharishi's desire for financial gain, but they had written a lot of songs. We'll start tonight's show with three songs that were recorded in 1968, but never released on any Beatles albums. One was recorded in late 68 at Lennon's Weybridge home, Kenwood, and the other two were recorded in May 68 at Harrison's Escher home, Kinfin's. The first, Look at Me, employed the finger-picking technique that Donovan taught Lennon during their stay in Rishikesh and heard on Dear Prudence, Happiness is a Warm Gun, and Julia on the White Album. The song wasn't released until Lennon's first solo LP, John Lennon Plastic Ono Band, in 1970. The next song was originally entitled I'm Just a Child of Nature and was passed over for the White Album. 
Lennon would continue to play it during the Get Back sessions and would eventually rewrite the words and the song would reappear as Jealous Guy on 1971's Imagine LP. We'll follow with the Harrison Penn Sour Milk Sea. The song was given to Jackie Lomax for his first single produced by Harrison. Lomax's version featured Harrison and Eric Clapton on guitars, McCartney on bass, Starr on drums, and Nicky Hopkins on piano. Lomax later recalled of the sessions, with Eric Clapton playing on it, it was on fire. When the backing tape was played back, I thought it worked as an instrumental. You want me to sing on top of that? There I am in the studio, and there are three Beatles in the control room watching me. I guess I was nervous at first, but after a couple of takes, I was into it. Sour Milk Sea is also notable as the only track on which three members of the Beatles recorded together for an artist other than themselves during the band's lifetime. The version we'll hear tonight has Harrison, Lennon, and McCartney on acoustic guitars, and Starr on tambourine. Enjoy. Look at me Who am I supposed to be? I'm blocking her mic Look at me Who am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be? Look at me. What am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be? Look at me.
dreaming more or less And the dream I had was true Yes, the dream I had was true I'm just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature I'm one of nature's children Sunlight shining in my eyes As I face the desert skies And my thoughts return to home Yes, my thoughts return to home I'm just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature One of nature's children Underneath the mountain ranges Where the wind that never changes Touch the windows of my soul Touch the windows of my soul I'm just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature I'm one of nature's children
Next up, two more demos from the sessions at Harrison's Escher home. The first, Lennon's Your Blues, was written in India while in Lennon's own words he was trying to reach God and feeling suicidal. He wanted to write a blues song, but wasn't sure he could imitate the blues artists he had listened to in his youth. Instead of attempting a true blues, he instead composed Your Blues as a parody of British imitators of the blues, featuring a swinging groove and tongue-in-cheek guitar solos. Lennon was quite aware of the British blues boom of 68, as well as the debate in the music press at the time of whether white men could sing the blues. The writer Jonathan Gould called Your Blues an example of the cultural realism that distinguished the Beatles from their musical contemporaries in Britain. Their acceptance of the idea that except as a subject of self-parody, certain expressive modes of African-American music lay outside the realm of their experience and hence beyond their emotional range as singers. Lennon later performed the song for the Rolling Stones' Rock and Roll Circus with a supergroup dubbed the Dirty Mac, featuring himself on guitar, Eric Clapton on lead guitar, Keith Richards on bass, and Mitch Mitchell on drums. We'll then hear the demo from McCartney's folk-flavored Rocky Raccoon. McCartney elaborated on its origins. John and I were sitting around playing guitar, and we were with Donovan. We were just sitting around enjoying ourselves, and I started playing the chords of Rocky Raccoon, just messing around. Originally, it was Rocky Sassoon, and we just started making up the words, the three of us, and started just to write them down. They came very quickly, and eventually I changed it from Sassoon to Raccoon, because it sounded more like a cowboy. I don't know anything about the Appalachian Mountains or cowboys and Indians or anything, but I just made it up. And the doctor came in stinking of gin and proceeded to lie on the table. So there you are. I like talking blues, so I started off like that. Then I did my tongue-in-cheek parody of a Western and threw in some amusing lines. The bit I liked about it was him finding Gidgeon's Bible and thinking some guy called Gidgeon must have left it for the next guy. I liked the idea of Gidgeon being a character. You get the meaning, and at the same time you get in a poke at it. All in good fun. Two more demos from the White Album. Yes, I'm lonely. Thank you. 
up remixes of three Lennon songs from the White Album. The first, Glass Onion, was Lennon at his most playful, referring to several earlier Beatles songs including Strawberry Fields Forever, I Am the Walrus, Lady Madonna, The Fool on the Hill, and Fixing a Hole. The songs The Walrus Was Paul line was a reference to I Am the Walrus, but it was also something more. Lennon elaborated in a 1971 interview. 
I Am the Walrus was originally the B-side of Hello Goodbye. I was still in my love cloud with Yoko, and I thought, well, I'll just say something nice to Paul. It's all right, you did a good job over these few years, holding us together. He was trying to organize the group, and organize the music, and be an individual and all that, so I wanted to thank him. I said the walrus is Paul for that reason. I felt, well, he can have it, I've got Yoko, and thank you, you can have the credit. Lennon was also trying to have a bit of fun with the fans that read into everything. I threw in the line the walrus was Paul, just to confuse everybody a bit more. It could have been the fox terrier is Paul. I mean, it's just a bit of poetry. I was having a laugh because there'd been so much gobbledygook about Pepper. Play it backwards and you stand on your head and all that. After the band recorded 34 takes of the backing track, Lennon overdubbed his vocals, and George Martin wrote a score for a string octet. We'll follow that with Cry Baby Cry, written in late 1967. The original lyric, Cry Baby Cry, Make Your Mother Buy, came from an advertisement, but was dropped from the final version. After a day-long rehearsal on July 16, 1968, the basic tracks were laid down in 10 takes, with Lennon playing acoustic guitar, vocals on the introduction, bass by McCartney, drums by Starr, and an organ. In the evening session, Lennon overdubbed piano and George Martin harmonium. Two days later, Lennon added a new lead vocal, Lennon-McCartney falsetto backing vocals, tambourines, Martin's harmonium introduction, sound effects for tea, and Harrison's lead guitar played on a Gibson Les Paul borrowed from Eric Clapton and soon to be a permanent gift named Lucy. Engineer Jeff Emmerich stopped working with the Beatles during the July 16th session due to the tense working environment. He explained in his book Here, There, and Everywhere. I lost interest in the White Album because they were really arguing among themselves and swearing at each other. The expletives were really flying. I said to George Martin, look, I've had enough. I want to leave. I don't want to know anymore. George said, well, leave at the end of the week. I think it was a Monday or Tuesday, but I said, no, I want to leave now, this very minute. And that was it. On the White Album, the song is followed by Can You Take Me Back, an improvisation played by McCartney while recording I Will. Listen for a discussion between George Martin and Brian Epstein's personal assistant, Alistair Taylor, at the end. We'll finish off with one of the most rocking songs on the LP. Everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. Lennon spoke of the lyrical content in a 1980 interview with David Sheff. That was just a sort of nice line that I made into a song. It was about me and Yoko. Everybody seemed to be paranoid except for us two, who were in the glow of love. Everything is clear and open when you're in love. Everybody was sort of tense around us, you know? What is she doing here at the session? Why is she with him? All this sort of madness is going on around us because we just happen to want to be together all the time. Many people, including McCartney, believed the song was about heroin, which both Lennon and Ono were using at the time, although Lennon denied this. Harrison has also stated that many of the lyrics came directly from the Maharishi's teachings. For example, the Come On It's Such a Joy line. This is one of the best examples of a song whose intro doesn't make the downbeat clear, similar to the beginning of Drive My Car, but in this case the downbeat isn't heard definitively until the third bar of the verse. For all three of these songs, we'll be hearing true remixes with different elements coming in and out. Enjoy these three Lennon classics from the White Album.
making another sign She's old enough to know better So cry, baby, cry
Back with the Beatles' multi-track meltdown and part one of the White Album sessions. We're going to begin with two Harrison compositions, one that ended up on the White Album and one that didn't. The first, Piggies, was actually written in 1966 and brought to the sessions after Harrison found a copy of the manuscript at his parents' home in 1968. Harrison's mother provided the line, what they need's a damn good whacking, and Lennon contributed the line, clutching forks and knives to eat their bacon. There was another verse written for the song in 1968, but omitted during the actual recording. In the 1990s, Harrison reinstated this verse for live performances of the song. The lines are as follows. Everywhere there's lots of piggies playing piggy pranks, and you see them on their trotters down at the piggy banks, paying piggy thanks to the pig brother. The tape loop for the pig noises that were sampled for the song was created by Lennon, and the beautiful harpsichord part was played by engineer Chris Thomas. During the recording of the White Album, George Martin went on holiday and instructed Thomas to take over his role as producer. Thomas had been hired by Martin as an assistant and heir, an independent production company founded by Martin and three other EMI producers. He would also play on the continuing story of Bungalow Bill, Savoy Truffle, Long Long Long, and Not Guilty. He would go on to be a successful producer with albums by Pink Floyd, Queen, Procol Harum, Roxy Music, Badfinger, Elton John, Paul McCartney, Pete Townsend, Pulp, The Pretenders, The Sex Pistols, and In Excess on his resume. Author Walter Everett refers to the lyrics of Piggies as involving an Orwellian comparison of pigs to socially horrid, though outwardly refined tyrants. A lyric that only Harrison could write. Unfortunately, it is one of the many songs from the White Album that Charles Manson misinterpreted, and during his followers' murderous crime spree through L.A., the words political piggy, pig, and death to pigs were written with blood on the walls. Although George Martin wasn't there for the initial session for Piggies, he wrote the charming Baroque score for strings. The song was purposely placed between two other songs with animals in their titles, Blackbird and Rocky Raccoon, showing the group's sense of humor when sequencing this album. For this instrumental mix, we're going to focus on the acoustic guitar and cello, two parts that are often overlooked due to the prominent harpsichord and violin and viola parts. We'll next hear a Harrison song that the group spent an incredible amount of time recording that was unfortunately dropped from the final running order of the White Album, Not Guilty. Harrison had introduced the Beatles to the Maharishi and felt somewhat responsible for his bandmates' experience in Rishikesh. With Starr and McCartney leaving early, and Harrison and Lennon leaving in a hurry after unsupported claims of the Maharishi's inappropriate behavior with a female student, Harrison was on the defense. I said I wasn't guilty of getting in the way of their career. I said I wasn't guilty of leading them astray and are going to Rishikesh to see the Maharishi. I was sticking up for myself. The group recorded 99 takes of the song, although only 21 were seen through to conclusion due to the tricky time signature changes. They would spend approximately 30 hours on the song, but at the last minute it was dropped. Harrison would eventually re-record it for his 1979 eponymous release. This version is another true remix, so look out for lots of surprises. Two Harris songs.
going to close tonight's show with two beautiful acoustic McCartney compositions. While McCartney definitely showed his rock and roll persona on the White Album with songs such as Back in the USSR, Helter Skelter, Birthday, and Why Don't We Do It in the Road, his softer side was apparent on the two songs we'll hear tonight. The first, Mother Nature's Sung, a song inspired by a lecture given by the Maharishi, the same lecture that spawned Lennon's Child of Nature. 
although the spark for the song happened in India, that's not where the song was completed. McCartney elaborated in many years from now. I seem to remember writing Mother Nature's Son at my dad's house in Liverpool. I often used to do that if I'd gone up to see him. Visiting my family, I'd feel in a good mood, so it was often a good occasion to write songs. So that was me doing my Mother Nature's Son bit. I've always loved the Nat King Cole song, Nature Boy. He loves nature, and Mother Nature's Son was inspired by that song. I'd always loved nature, and when Linda and I got together, we discovered we had this deep love of nature in common. There might have been a little help from John with some of the verses. The song was captured in 25 takes on August 9, 1968. McCartney recorded overdubs of timpani, another guitar, and drums on August 20th, the day that George Martin's brass arrangement was recorded. The drum sound was achieved by putting the drums halfway down an uncarpeted corridor with the mics at a far end. This resulted in a bongo-like sound. Lennon never liked the fact that McCartney would record so many songs on his own without the band, and according to engineer Ken Scott, the situation was tense. Paul was downstairs going through the arrangement with George and the brass players. Everything was great. Everyone was in great spirits. It felt really good. Suddenly, halfway through, John and Ringo walked in, and you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. An instant change. It was like that for ten minutes, and then as soon as they left, it felt great again. It was very bizarre. This mix is all about the horns. We'll begin with the acoustic guitar, but once the horns are in, they're the focus of attention. Look out for the very bluesy last chord. We're going to close the show with an early rehearsal take of Blackbird. In 2005, McCartney released a DVD, Chaos and Creation at Abbey Road, to accompany his recent release. In it, he explained that the guitar accompaniment for Blackbird was inspired by Bach's Bure in E minor, a well-known lute piece often played on the classical guitar. As teenagers, he and Harrison tried to learn Bure as a show-off piece. The composition is distinguished by melody and bass notes played simultaneously on the upper and lower strings. McCartney adapted a segment for the opening of Blackbird and carried the musical idea throughout the song. In a 2002 interview, McCartney explained the origins of the song. I had been doing some poetry readings in the last year or so because I've got a poetry book out called Blackbird Singing. And when I would read Blackbird, I would always try and think of some explanation to tell the people. Because there's not a lot you could do except just read the poem. You read ten poems, that takes about ten minutes, almost. You've got to just do a bit more than that. So I was doing explanations, and I actually just remembered why I'd written Blackbird. That I was in Scotland playing on my guitar, and I remember this whole idea of you were only waiting for this moment to arise was about the black people struggling in the southern states. And I was using the symbolism of a blackbird. It's not really about a blackbird whose wings are broken. It's a bit more symbolic. Two beautiful McCartney acoustic compositions.
Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arrive when you come to sing it Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to rise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You were only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the light of a dark black night This moment to arise, Blackbird fly, Blackbird fly into the light of a dark black night. Blackbird singing in the dead of Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arrive
Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. All your life, all, all your life. I think, you know, I just sort of forgot the format. Back. No, that's just a demo. Hmm? Right now. Yeah, right. Earphones with Earphones a bit of echo would be echo. too Lights much down. to sing. <laughs> Get out of the factory. Yeah, I feel as though I'm in the factory a bit, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't really consciously trying to make a, a master track of you. I'm just oh. trying to get a, a track for discussion of what you're going to do with it, because really... Well, you can just do it great, like that, that's it. You want it to be like that? Well, if it's it a minute long, long, that's enough of a minute. It doesn't get boring, then. Oh, you I see, I, I imagined if you've got, if you've got that sound there really oh, crystal yeah. clear. Play back a bit, Jeff. Well, that's it for this week, Beatles fans. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and you've been listening to the White Album Sessions on the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Tune in every week for more deconstructed mixes of classic Beatle tunes, live cuts, and solo tracks. Tune in next week for Part 2 of the White Album Sessions, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on beatles Arama. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, ShadyBearBKLYN, and like the Facebook page for I Want to Tell You. You can pick up the book at Amazon.com and at the website, The Beatles I Want to Tell You. See you next week.